Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you today. And I'm glad. How many of you are glad you're in church today? Would you say amen? Good. Good. How many of you are hot? How many of you are cold? How many of you are just right? Good. Good. We've got the fans on and the air conditioning running for you. And uh, I'm glad that you are here. I don't need this, right? Am I good? All right. How many of you grabbed your juice and your wafer on the way in today? Did you get that? If you didn't, I think there's still some out there. Are they all gone? No, there's some, there's some left here. If you did not, we are going to uh, just take a few moments right now. We're going to do this at the end of the service, but I, um, I just felt we'll just do this right now. And um, allow me to read some scripture. I know this is so different. We normally have our men come and we have these fancy trays and juices in it and the wafer crackers in it. And um, I just felt like we haven't had communion in probably six months or so as a church. And um, I did not want to wait any longer. We were going to do this a couple weeks ago, but these were on back order. They're pretty popular nowadays um, in churches. And so we're going to, um, we're just going to take some time I know we're outside under a tent. I know we're doing it different than we've normally done it, but this is still a time where we think about, it's a very reverent time. It's a time that we consider what Christ did on the cross. The fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross, he paid our sin debt. His blood was shed. We sing about the blood of Jesus, and it was because of the blood of Jesus. We'll talk about that some today in the message. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. If it wasn't for the fact that Jesus Christ came and went to the cross and shed his blood on the cross, there would be no sin payment for us. It's because of that. And he was placed in the grave. And three days later, he conquered death. He rose again from the the grave. He was dead. He wasn't just asleep. He wasn't just laying there for three days, passed out. He was dead. But he rose again from the dead. And because of that... He can offer you and give you everlasting life. So the sin debt was paid that we owed, and everlasting life can be had through Jesus Christ. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he says this. If you would like in your Bibles, uh, just take a moment with me and read. Those that are online, if you'll just bear bear with us for just a few moments here. And um, you can turn in your Bibles as well there at home to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul says this in verse number 23, For I have received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For that he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak, and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. I want you to take note here in this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, um, uh, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He says in verse number 28. This is something that we do. This does not save a person. There's nothing special about this juice and nothing special about that cracker that's in on top of that, that container there. It's just a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's something when his people come together and we do this. Some call it the Lord's table. Some call it communion. But when we partake of this, it reminds us, number one, that cracker reminds us of the body that was broken. Jesus was beaten. He was placed upon that cross. The nails were placed in his hands and in his feet. 
The Bible tells us this, that he was beaten to where he was not even recognizable as a man. But he went through that for you and for me. His blood that was shed, the juice reminds us of the blood that was shed. We don't believe that anything supernatural takes place. This is, I think it's grape juice. And uh, the cracker is, is uh, I'm not sure what the ingredients of that is, on this container at least. It doesn't turn into anything. It doesn't turn into the, the actual blood or the body of Christ. We don't believe that. We just simply believe this is a reminder. As we come together as his, as his body, we come together and think about what Jesus Christ said on the cross. And I want to invite you, if you're saved, if you're living with, right with the Lord, I want to invite you to partake of this today. But if you're a Christian and you say, you know what, I'm just not living right, so I'm not going to partake, the Bible doesn't give you that option. He says, so let a man examine himself and eat of that bread and drink of that cup. This is not something that a Christian comes to and says, I'm going to continue in my sin. It's a time a Christian comes to and says, you know, I'm, maybe I'm in sin. Maybe I'm not right with someone. I'm not right with the Lord. I'm going to get that right and remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not right with the Lord, to get right with God. Simply now in your heart, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you not to participate in this portion of the service. This is for those that know Christ as your Savior and those that just remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, the payment for our sin. And let's just bow in prayer for just a moment. I want you to just examine your heart. As the Bible says, let us examine ourselves. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for just the attitude of praise that we had this morning in worship, Lord, as we lifted our voices up. Lord, we gather here today for one reason, and his name is Jesus Christ. We come to this portion of our service where we think about the body that was just bruised and broken, the blood that came streaming down his body, Lord, we thank you for that precious blood. Lord, this today is just grape juice. With that blood that shed out of the veins of our Savior, Jesus Christ, was precious, pure, holy blood. It was sinless. When there needed to be a payment for a mankind's sin debt, there was only one that could do it. And we thank you and praise you that you went to the cross. We thank you and praise you that you died for our sins. And we thank you and we praise you that you offer us everlasting life. So we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that he went to the cross and shed his blood. We believe that you were placed in that grave and you rose again on the third day. And we believe that only through you can a person be saved. And Lord, as we think about that now and remember those things, Lord, we exalt Jesus Christ. We magnify him and we trust in him. And so Lord, I pray that you bless this time of communion and time of thinking about Christ and what he did in Jesus' name, amen. On this package, there's just the top of it, you can open up and just the cracker comes out and then there's another way to open up just the juice. I'm going to ask that you open that, if you would please, and take that cracker. The Bible says this, For as I had received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. It goes on to say in verse number 25, after the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Father, once again, we 
just remember you and what you did upon this cross. And Lord, just in the silence now, Lord, under this tent and outside of the tent, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, we're so thankful for you. Lord, there's some here today that are going through trials and carrying burdens. And Lord, may they realize today and understand today that you are sufficient, that you are enough. Lord, there's some that are going through sickness and Lord, health issues. And Lord, I pray today that you would just minister to them. May they realize that you are sufficient, that you're enough. Lord, I pray for the one today that maybe is here that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe today they're looking for answers. They're seeking. And Lord, I pray today they would receive you. They'd find you and receive you as their Savior. May they trust you and put their eternity, Lord, in, what you, in you and what you did upon the cross. And so, Lord, bless this service. May the Holy Spirit minister to us and I pray that Christ will be exalted. And I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 22, if you would please today. Acts chapter 22. I want you to pray as you're turning there. I want you to pray for a few things. I want you to pray, if you would, for Linda Davis, Mickey Davis's wife. Linda, her mother, passed away. The funeral was this past Monday. And so if you'll please pray for Linda and uh, Mickey. Also, continue to pray for Doug Davison. Doug is going to begin some treatment for his cancer and uh, pretty lengthy treatment. So if you would please, please continue to pray for him and Lord just strengthen his body. Also, I want you to um, consider some things. As we plan to uh, get back into our our services inside, um, we are going to need some workers. Um, We need nursery workers and greeters. We're also going to need some teachers and um, teachers. everything to, to go back inside. We're going to need people to work. And um, I want to invite you, maybe you'd like to begin to serve. I want to invite you to, uh, to see one of the staff, um, talk to myself or call the church office. And we'd love to give you some more information about that. If you have been serving, and I know we've taken a, a lengthy sabbatical here uh, under the tent, not inside. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to um, uh, just get back into serving and using your talents that the Lord's given you for him. I want to, uh, I want to read a letter to you, and it's kind of going to go along with my message here today. This was, um, this is a letter that I was sent this morning from a pastor, and um, uh, the health department taped this to the front doors of his church building. A cease and desist letter from the public health orders at North Valley Baptist Church. Dear Dr. Treber, I write you regarding activity at your church, North Valley Baptist Church, located and begins to give the address here at Santa Clara, California. In the event North Valley Baptist is represented by council, I kindly ask that you direct this letter to them upon receipt. I write to demand that North Valley Baptist immediately comply with state and county public health orders, including by correcting the violations identified below. These violations pose immediate, substantial, and ongoing risk to public health or public nuisances and are unlawful. The county will take enforcement actions against North Valley Baptist if it does not immediately comply with public health orders and then goes through all of those orders. North North Valley Baptist violations are clear, repeated, and unacceptable, and they endanger the health and safety of our community. The risk only increases as a number of positive COVID-19 cases continue to rise in the county. To date, there is no effective therapy, cure, or vaccine. The only effective way to slow the spread of this deadly virus is a collective commitment to practice that uh, mitigate the risk of transmission. Yet anonymous complaints, North Valley Baptist admissions, and a review of their website and social media confirm that North Valley Baptist has engaged and continues to engage in the following unlawful and dangerous activities. First, North Valley Baptist is holding indoor services. This activity is unlawful. I'm not gonna go through and read all of the 
statement under that because a lot of it's just giving code, but this activity is unlawful. Number two, North Valley Baptist is failing to ensure that everyone attending, performing, or speaking at North Valley Baptist services wear face masks. This activity is unlawful. North Valley Baptist is failing to ensure that everyone attending, performing, or speaking at North Valley Baptist services are socially distanced. This activity is unlawful. Number four, North Valley Baptist is failing to prevent those attending, performing, or speaking at North Valley Baptist churches from singing. This activity is unlawful. They're saying if they show up and they sing, it's unlawful. North Valley Baptist has failed to submit to social distancing protocol. It is unlawful for any business, including North Valley Baptist, to operate. And that's where I believe they're wrong. Because North Valley Baptist is not a business. It's a church. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. A wide variety of scientific and public health resources, including the Centers of Disease Control, the County Public Health Department, and the State Department of Public Health, confirm the importance of each of these measures described above in mitigating the spread of COVID-19. North Valley Baptist refusal to comply with county and state requirements is not only punishable by fine, imprisonment, or both, but it also risks and undermines the well-being of health of our community. And a four-page letter for them to cease and desist and no longer meet indoors, no longer sing while they meet. And it's not just that church, it's churches really on the east and west coast that are going, really dealing with this. Some of you have seen uh, a well-known uh, uh, author and pastor, John MacArthur, same thing, facing the same thing in his churches. In church, we need to pray. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through great, um, I believe it's great persecution now, um, and uh, they're not able to meet. There's a church, Harvest Church, I read this morning, Harvest Church in Pasadena, California, same letter, same thing. They were told this, that the pastor will receive up to a year in jail per occurrence as they continue to meet. Yet in the same town, they're allowing rioting and looting and burning of their city. But the church, they said they cannot meet or the pastor is going to go to jail for every occurrence. There's a pastor, I've said this to you for many weeks now, there's a pastor in uh, New Jersey, the same thing. Every time they meet, they're, they're getting citations and they went to a judge and asked the judge if they would just put a stay against it while they're, they were going through court and the judge said no. So every time they meet, another citation is issued and every citation comes with a fine or up to six months in jail. And it's America. Huh. It's happening in this country, and we need to pray. We need to pray for these churches. How many of you would commit to pray, if you haven't already, to pray for these brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through this? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 22, and I want you to see something. The message against the gospel, or the, the, the attitude against the gospel the trying to resist the gospel, trying to stop those that are preaching the gospel is not anything new. Back in Acts chapter 22, we find Paul's testimony. Paul, remember, he's in, now in Jerusalem, and Paul has been taken by the religious elite, taken to the chief of the, the, uh, chief of the centurions, the, the, uh, the guards there, and they have taken him, they brought him before the people. The people want Paul dead. And they ask for that. They want his life. They're not wanting Paul just to be beaten and then go on with what he's doing. They're not looking for Paul to be sentenced to jail and then go on what he's doing. They want Paul's life silenced forever. They want the message that Paul is preaching to stop. And if that means Paul is dead, that's what they're after. They will do anything they can to stop the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is here in verse number one, men and brethren, Paul is speaking now. He has an opportunity to speak to those that want him dead. 
He says, men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my uh, defense, which I make now unto you. And the Bible tells us in verse two, he began to speak in the Hebrew tongue. And when he began to speak in this Hebrew tongue, the audience there was silenced. They wanted to hear, they understood in their language what Paul was getting ready to say. And Paul begins to tell them who he is. I'm a Jew, I'm from Tarsus. And begins to tell them what he, uh, 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 who he was and, and he was zealous toward God. He thought he was doing a good work by persecuting Christians. He says in verse number four, I, and I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. What he's saying is this, there was a time in my life that what I did was go to those Christians and I would bind them, I'd imprison them, I'd even, I'd even see them dead for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom I also received letters under the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that I was made my journey and was come now nigh unto Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And Paul is giving his testimony of how he came to Christ. And so again, just so we understand, Paul is saying, I was a persecutor of Christians. I was one that was making sure that this gospel message was going to stop. And I was on my way to Damascus. I had letters from the high priest. The whole reason Paul was going to Damascus was he was going to go there and bind Christians, those that were followers of Christ, and he was going to punish them for believing in preaching Jesus Christ. He says, I'm on my way to Damascus in verse number six, in verse seven, and I fell under the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? And I answered, who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they went their way with me, and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told of thee all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see the glory that, uh, of that light being led by the hands of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked upon him. And he said, and, and he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Or why waitest? Why are you waiting? He said this, Arise, be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Father, we need your help today. Lord, I pray that you would just send a, a spirit, Lord, your spirit across this tent. And Lord, calm our hearts. May we be attentive to your word. Lord, do something inside of us, not just a good feeling, but Lord, work in our lives, change us. I ask you again, Lord, if there's someone here that needs to be saved, Lord, I pray you save them today. Lord, if there's a Christian here that's apathetic, oh God, I pray that you wake them up to the day that they're living in. Give them, Lord, a reason to live. Show them, Lord, your plan for their life. And Lord, if there's one that needs to be encouraged here, encourage them. Lord, if there's one that needs to be strengthened, strengthen them. But Lord, I pray that you do a work in your church today. And when we leave here, Lord, may we say that it was good to be here. May we know that you moved in our presence. And may we leave here obedient to what you have spoken to us. Use me, I pray today, as I preach your word. May your spirit guide my thoughts, my actions, my words. May they be glorifying to your son, Jesus Christ. 
And I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach today this message of the testimony of Paul's salvation. Paul is standing before the people after he was taken prisoner for preaching the gospel. Don't miss that statement, please. Paul had been a part of killing. Stephen, he was there in this chapter. Matter of fact, he reminds them, I was there when Stephen was martyred, when he was murdered. I stood and held the the coats of those that picked up a stone and placed Stephen in that pit and and tossed these boulders, these stones upon Stephen till his, his life was out of him. I was there when Stephen was killed. I was there when Christians were beaten. I was there when people were innocently imprisoned. That was Paul's testimony. Paul did all of those things and the same people when Paul did that They were ready to cheer for Paul. They were ready to endorse Paul. They loved what Paul was doing. Now that Paul is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, now that Paul is saying that living the law and trying to achieve the law and obey the law, now that Paul is saying religion can't save you, only Jesus Christ can, Paul no longer is taking other people's lives. Paul is no longer imprisoning people. Paul is no longer torturing and abusing human beings for believing in Jesus. He's no longer doing that. But now Paul finds himself taken by this group of people and now they desire Paul dead. Not because of what Paul had did, but because of what Paul is preaching. How dare this man preach and teach something other than religion, other than the law of Moses. And as Paul has been teaching, religion and these traditions have blinded these men from the truth of the gospel message. Paul is speaking the truth, but they're not able to hear the truth. They're blinded because they're so steeped in their religion. And Paul gets up before these and he begins to give his testimony of how Jesus Christ changed him. I want you to write these things down in your heart, please, somewhere. I want you to write this down. Number one, the gospel has the power to save anyone, no matter what you have done. Oh, listen to me, don't don't miss that. This is Paul. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Paul, who had been a part of, of Stephen's murder. Paul, who has been a part of beating and imprisoning these innocent people. Now, Paul, on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ saves him. Here we find Ananias says to him, go, be baptized, and, and have your sins forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul, it doesn't matter who he was and all the events of his life, what he's done in the past, Paul was gloriously saved because the gospel has the power to save anyone, no matter what they've done. I want you to see in verse number four, and I persecuted this way unto death. Binding and delivering into prisons, both men and women. This is Paul's testimony. He said, I was persecuting people to death, yet Paul still was gloriously saved. In verse number 16, look with me in that verse. The Bible says this, and now why tarriest thou? He says, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When I read verse number 16, the glorious thing of that verse is this. It doesn't matter what sin you have done. The power of the gospel washes away all of your sins. It doesn't say, Paul, only those minor sins, only those small sins, but those big ones, Paul, I don't know if Jesus Christ will save you. Well, you know, I don't know if the power of the gospel is great enough to save you. Here we find Paul admitting how awful of a sinner he was. And then we find here in this verse that Paul, because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, every single one of his sins can be washed away. Look with me in verse number 19 as well. And I said, Lord, they know what I imprisoned and and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. This is Paul's testimony. I'd go to synagogues and anyone that believed in Jesus, I'd beat. No, no, I wasn't beating people that broke the law. I wasn't beating people that, that robbed and cheated and lied. I was beating those simply for believing in Jesus Christ. He said in verse number 20, and when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, 
I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. Paul's zeal for the Jewish law led him to torture, to beating, and even killing Christians. But on this road to Damascus, Paul was introduced to Jesus Christ and the gospel has the power to save even the worst of sinners. Oh, listen to me today. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what sin that you have committed. The lie of religion, the lie of Satan says this, that you're too far gone. You're too bad. What you have committed, Jesus Christ can't forgive. There's no payment for your sin. And so you must just live in this life miserable. You must just live in this life unforgiven. But I want you to know this, that the Bible says the total opposite. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that any is you, and that all is you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay your sin debt. Every sin that you've ever committed has been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on to tell us this, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. There's not a righteous person here. Every one of us, the Bible says, have been born in trespasses and sin. We were born a sinner, but Jesus Christ, the death on the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There is not a person here today that cannot be saved. That God didn't send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay your sin debt. Oh, we sing about the blood around here. If you come often enough, you'll hear songs that we sing about the precious blood of Jesus. You see, under the law, a blood sacrifice had to be made for the atonement of sin. There always had to be a blood sacrifice. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did God do? He had to take and a, a sacrifice had to be made. Blood had to be shed. But the only problem with that is this, when a person sinned again, another sacrifice had to be made. When Cain and Abel, uh, these were the children of Adam and Eve, when they were told to sacrifice, they were supposed to have a blood sacrifice. Cain said this, no, I'm going to do it my way. And so Cain was one that was a, a, a tiller of the ground. He produced vegetables and fruits. And so he took his works. He took what he did and he put that on an altar and made a sacrifice unto God while uh, Abel did exactly as God said. He took a lamb and he made a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. You see, that is the story of mankind history of, of religion. Mankind is like Cain, always wanting to do what they think is necessary to be forgiven. They want to approach God on their terms. They want their fruit. They want their labor to be good enough to merit heaven. But God said a blood sacrifice had to be made. Abel made this God's way. Cain did it his way. And Cain's sacrifice, the Bible says, was unacceptable. Oh, hear me today. If you're living and trying to merit heaven, you're living here today on this earth and you're trying to achieve heaven through religion, through your way, through your good works, your sacrifice is not going to be accepted. There's only one sacrifice that's accepted and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood sacrifice had to be made. And all through the Bible, we find, all through history, we find a blood sacrifice. The problem is the sacrifice doesn't cover all sin. It only covered the sin then at that time. Once a person sinned again, another sacrifice had to be made. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Blood had to be shed. A sacrifice had to be made. But Jesus Christ came, perfect, holy, sinless, and he shed his blood. And from that time forward, no longer do sacrifices have to be continually made once 
the sacrifice was made through Jesus Christ, and that is sufficient. No other payment is necessary. I want to ask you today, if you've never received that gift of salvation, would you receive that gift today, that payment for your sin? Would you accept that, that, that payment that Jesus Christ made on the cross? Would you trust him today? You see, the gospel has the power to save any person, no matter what you've done. Number two, I want you to see this with me today as well. The gospel has the power to change the course of our life. The power of the gospel not only saves us, it changes you. I want you to see in verse number 10, this is Paul's testimony here in chapter, 20, uh, chapter 22. And I said, what shall I do? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told of thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. Look with me in verse number 21 of this same chapter. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Now, Paul's life was spent in a religious way, persecuting Christians because they were against the law. So he thought. They were believing in Jesus Christ, not the law, not what they were taught. He thought he was doing a good thing by persecuting these Christians. Paul is on the road to Damascus. The whole reason he's going there is to punish Christians. And Paul there on that road to Damascus, he meets Jesus Christ and he's gloriously saved. The gospel has the power to save everyone. Then I want you to see here in Paul's own testimony, the gospel also has the power to change the course of a person's life. It's not now that he's saved. Now, now go back and live whatever life you want to live. It's not now that Paul is saved. Now there's still no purpose to his life. I want you to see here, now that Paul got saved, now that he met Christ Jesus and his sins are forgiven, he now has purpose in his life. Paul's life isn't now lived doing what he used to do. Paul's life isn't now lived being who he used to be. Paul is changed in his whole purpose. The life is changed. Paul's testimony of the gospel is this, a changed life. Oh, listen to me today. You say, I, 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 I believe that Jesus Christ can forgive me of my sin, but I just don't know if I can forgive myself. I, I don't know if I can go on and, and, and live. I don't know if I can go and, and, and live for the Lord because of all the things I've done in my past. I want you to realize this, that salvation forgives you of your sin and it cleanses you of all unrighteousness. And therefore, the gospel has the power to change your life in the purpose of your life. Paul never thought he'd be an evangelist, a missionary that would go across all of Europe and Asia through these missionary journeys to preach the power of the cross. But Paul's life was changed because of the gospel. Paul could say this, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Oh, listen to me, the gospel changes you. It gives you everlasting life, but it also gives you purpose here on this life as well. Repentance is turning from your sin to Christ. It's a change of direction. Oh, listen to me, Christian, please don't miss this today. God has a plan for your life. The day you got saved, it's not just, I have, I have eternity now, and that's all. And listen to me, if that was all, that would be enough. But once God saved you, he gave you a purpose to live. Every single person here under this tent that is saved, God has a specific purpose for your life. You're not a failure. You're not a waste of time. You're not just an afterthought. We don't now just live our life and go through it mundane and discouraged, just waiting till we die so one day we can get to heaven. No, you have a purpose here that God has given you, that God has called you to. He's changed you. Your, your purposes are changed. Your desires are changed. And this is done under the power of Christ and his strength. Listen, every single person here today, you can do great things for God. 
You can live for Christ. You can live a victorious Christian life. God has something in store for you individually, and God wants you to live for him. I pray that you understand that and see this today. Paul was a great sinner. And when he trusted Christ as his savior, all of his sins are forgiven. And now Paul has a purpose in his life. I want you to ask yourselves these questions today. Number one, have you trusted Christ as your savior? And many, I know many here today would say, yes, I've trusted Christ as my savior. The second thing I wanna ask you then, are you living for him? Are you doing what God has planned for you to do? He talks to us in New Testament about giving us talents and giving us gifts. Are you serving Christ? Are you living for him? Do you know what that plan is that God has for your life? They didn't say, Paul, now that you're saved, just head back to Jerusalem and, and, and be a part of the church at Jerusalem and enjoy the rest of your life. No, he said, now that you're saved, there's something I want you to do. There's things that I've appointed for thee to do. There's a desire that I have for your life. There's changes I want to make. Paul, you are now a soldier for Christ. And I would say this, every single person here under this tent, if you're a child of God, you're a soldier for Christ. You're ambassadors for him. And Christian, if there's a time in this world that ambassadors need to live for Christ, it's today. Oh, if there's a time in our nation that Christians need to stand up and serve God, it is today. If there's a time in our nation that we need to know what God has called us to, it is today. We're watching the demise of society, the demise of this world, the demise of our nation. And Christians, instead of us getting discouraged about things that are happening all around us, let's look to Jesus Christ and say, he saved me and now I'm gonna live for him. I've got this, I think I mentioned it to you last week, I've got this, this desire. I wanna see all of my neighbors come to Christ. Matter of fact, this past week, I made it a priority to spend time with my neighbors. I, I'm probably like you as you're driving down the street or driving into your, your, your um, uh, driveway. You see your neighbors out, you wave, you say hi. You might even stop and ask you know, the question, how are you? Get back in your car or walk into the house. And that was the extent of your relationship. On purpose this week, every time I saw one of my neighbors out, I walked over to him. I walked over and I just began to talk. Matter of fact, one of my neighbors, I went up to and I said this, hey, I, I want to apologize to you. And he said, what? I said, I haven't been a very good neighbor. He says, you haven't? He said, I think you're okay. I said, no, I apologize. I haven't been a very good neighbor. I haven't taken the time to let you know. And I just had about a 20 minute conversation with him. And I said this to him. Oh, and he said this to me. He says, you preach this stuff at your church, don't you? I said, yeah, and I better start living it, I guess. My neighbor was out, the other neighbor was out yesterday. And I see him moving this big, heavy shed. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord, oh, the week that you convicted me of being a good neighbor, it's the week he's moving a heavy object. I don't have time for this, Lord. And I walked over to him and I said, hey, uh, what are you doing? And it was one of those, what do you think I'm doing? I'm trying to move this thing. And I said, well, let's do it. I went back later last evening and talked to him for about another 20 minutes. And the Lord has just impressed upon me, burdened me that in this season where people are afraid of losing jobs, people are getting sick, people are unsure of what society is going to have. They watch the news and it's nothing but doom and, and gloom. They, they're discouraged by what they see. There's no, there's no direction in society. It just seems like things are falling apart. They need to be sure that there is a Christian that's living next door to them that has the truth. And listen to me, God's called you to give that truth. 
He's changed your course. He's changed your direction. You're not the same as you used to be before you were saved. You have purpose to your life. And oh, listen to me, the purpose for every Christian is to tell someone about Jesus Christ. To tell someone what Jesus Christ did for you and what he can do for them. To be the light and be the salt. You have purpose, Christian. It doesn't just happen. Look with me in verse number 10. It doesn't just happen. You say, I don't understand. I, I got saved and, I, and, and now I want to know what I'm supposed to do. And, and I didn't find out. Well, I want you to understand it doesn't just happen. In verse number 10, and I said, what shall I do? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed unto thee. It takes a desire. Once a person is saved, you must have a desire to live for Christ. Paul said, what shall I do? He had a desire to do something for the Lord. Oh, if there's something today that I would hope that everyone would leave with is a burning desire in your heart today to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, a burning desire in your heart today to do something big for God, a burning desire that God would use you in a great way. Do you have that desire? Paul did. Paul met Christ and immediately he wanted to change. He wanted to serve the Lord, but he wasn't sure how. I see this, it takes a desire. Number two, it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a desire, but number two, look with me in verse number 10 again. The Bible says, arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed of thee. It not only takes a desire, it takes listening to his voice in obedience to his word. It takes an obedience and a listening. You know why it's so important, I believe, for, for believers to gather? Because God's word is opened and we need to listen to it. You know, it's so important for us to come together week after week and hear the preaching of God's word because that's what changes lives. That's what causes us to get answers. Oh, listen to me, Christian. Too many Christians live. Yes, they're saved, but they never open this book and they never study this book and they never grow as a child of God. They wonder why they're not living this life that God promises them. They wonder why they don't have the, they're not serving Christ like the, the way that they should. They wonder why they don't know the purpose for their life because you've got to listen. And once you hear, you've got to be obedient to God's word. But oh, Christian, we need to get into God's word. Look with me in verses 12 through 16 here. In Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. The same hour I looked upon him. And he said, this is what his counsel was, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee. Thou shouldest know his will and see that the just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise, be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. I want you to see here thirdly, number one, it takes a desire. Paul has a desire. What must I do? And number two, a listening to the voice and obedience to his word. Number three, allowing godly counsel to instruct you. Allowing godly counsel to instruct you. Paul didn't try to do this on his own. And oh, listen to me, living the Christian life isn't, not, isn't done on your own. God puts people in your life to give you godly counsel. People bring, God brings people alongside of you to help you and encourage you. And I would say to you, what I find here, I find Paul receiving that godly counsel. And I'm so glad there was a man by the name of Ananias that was being willing to be used of God to give godly counsel. Oh, I say, I've said this so often to our church, but I, I want to remind you again, you are here and you ought to be encouraging someone else. 
if you've been saved for any length of time and you are walking in the Spirit and you are in the Word of God, you ought to be sharing that with someone, helping someone. You that are a little older ought to be taking someone a little younger and helping them grow in their faith, helping them live the victorious Christian life. And when someone comes alongside of us, we ought to allow godly counsel to speak into our life, to invest in us so that we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't just come the day you get saved. Paul said, I, I want to live for the Lord. It takes a desire. It takes listening to his voice. It takes obedience to his word. And Paul allowed godly counsel to help him. Lastly, and I'm done this morning, I want you to see here probably the sad part of this passage. The best two th- point, the first two points are the best points. Number one, if you're lost, Jesus Christ will save you no matter what you've done. Number two, once you're saved, God, the creator of this universe, has a purpose for your life, a plan for your life. You have meaning once again. You're here for a a heavenly purpose. But I want you to know this this morning. Number three, although the gospel is truth, it's not always going to be accepted by others. But Christian, I want to remind you in days like this to stay strong. Not everything you preach, not everything you say when you preach the gospel and live the gospel is going to be accepted by others. Look with me in verse number 18 of this passage of Scripture. We find this verse, And saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Paul was gloriously saved. Paul has new purpose in his life to serve Jesus Christ. But Jesus himself says to Paul, I want you to leave Jerusalem because not everyone is going to accept what I've done for you. And although the gospel is truth, it's not always going to be accepted by others. Hear hear me today, church. I believe this, we are seeing in our lifetime, we are going to see churches persecuted. We're going to see it. I believe in our lifetime that we are going to see Christians uh, uh, jailed and persecuted for preaching and living the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, boy, that sounds like a doomsday prophet. That sounds like, man, just negative. I'm just telling you, the Bible tells us that in the last days, these things are going to happen. And I want to encourage you, church, to stay strong. Some of you are going to try to take the gospel to neighbors, and not every single neighbor is going to receive it. Stay strong. Some of you may take the gospel to to people at work and people at work may not receive it. Some of you may even find yourself at work being in trouble for living out the gospel and, and giving the gospel. I want to encourage you to stay strong. There may be a day that a letter is received by the church membership that some of us, the staff, the pastor, the, the, some staff, the, the deacons, maybe, 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 maybe church members have been fined or jailed for preaching the gospel. And I hope, church, that you remain strong. I hope when there comes a day that we are told that we're not allowed to gather, that our church stays strong and that we still gather and we are told that we can't sing and can't lift our voices up to to sing about Jesus, that we choose that we're going to lift our voices and we're going to sing about uh, Jesus. I'm simply saying to this, there's a fight that is at hand and I hope and pray, Christian, that you stay in the fight because it's worthy of the fight. Jesus Christ is worthy. He died for you. He saved you. He's given you a purpose. Therefore, I believe, even though the truth may not be received, it may not be accepted, it is worth standing for. Now isn't the time to take it easy. Now's not the time to give up on the gathering of, of church together. Now's not the time to quit on the body of Christ. Now is not the time uh, to... to, to uh, uh, 
to say it's getting too difficult and, and I'm just going to take my faith in, in hiding. No, now is the time to let our light shine. Now is the time more than ever that the world needs to see the salt that Christianity can add. Now is the time in this dark world we're living in that the light must be shown. Go be the church. Be the body of Christ. Oh, I'm simply saying to you this morning, church, even though it's not accepted, we've still got to preach it. Even though that it's not wanted, we've still got to live it. Even though society might say that we're wrong, even though society might say that we're uh, believing in Jesus is, is no longer loud, even though they might say that we can't sing, we can't preach, we can't gather, I pray that this church is strong enough to stand in the last days. I pray that if persecution or when persecution comes, that we would say that because of our salvation, because of what Jesus Christ has called me to do, I will stay strong in the day of adversity. Hear me, church. For the last five months or so, things have been different. For the last five months, the church has been different. I tell you, probably the strangest thing this morning was doing the communion the way we just did it. The whole time I'm thinking, how do we do it this way? Do I pray between each time? I mean, how do you do it? You're probably thinking the same thing. Hear me, the church, hundreds of people can gather, you can come and then you can leave. But I want to remind you that church is not a spectator sport. We don't gather a crowd so that a crowd could watch what happens. This crowd is to come to be involved, to serve on purpose, to live your life pleasing the Lord. Oh, listen to me. When we get back in, I pray that God raises up teachers and greeters and nursery workers and, and, and people to serve and, and people with a fire inside of their heart that, that, that you just can't quench a fire to do something. You say, God has saved me and now God has called me to do something and I want to do it for him him, but not everyone's going to like it. But we don't preach and teach Jesus Christ because it's popular. We preach and teach Jesus Christ because it's truth. And I pray that our church stands. And I pray that you as individuals and you as families stand when others don't want to hear it. Paul stood the gospel has the power to save. The gospel has the power to change course in your life. And the gospel has the power to keep strengthen us to stand, even when it's not accepted by others around us. Would you bow in prayer with me today? Father, save sinners. Encourage the discouraged. Edify your saint. Build your church. May we be faithful to your calling. May we live for you. I pray that every husband in this room would be a godly husband. I pray that every husband in this room would be faithful to their spouse, would be a leader to their children. I pray they wouldn't be consumed with the things of this world, but they, may they be consumed with you and spirit-led and lead their homes in these days. I pray for every wife, every mother, Lord, may they, Lord, be as the Holy Spirit, a comforter, a guide, a help in their home. May they parent, Lord, with compassion and long-suffering. May their children see them and desire their God. I pray every church member here today would be obedient to their calling. Lord, put a fire in our hearts. Do not let us get apathetic. Oh God, I pray that you do something and we leave here today with a passion. The world isn't going to accept it. Lord, we're not living for the world, we're living for you. Give us boldness. Lord, save those that need to be saved today. And I ask you this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you.
Jacob, where's Jacob at? Is he here? Those that sang this morning, would you come up here real quick? Come quick. Where are you at? Come quick. I want to ask that you meet us that song, Great Are You, Lord. I want to leave with this song. You know, it was December of last year. We presented a 2020 vision, 20-year vision for our church. And we were talking with our deacons and talking with our staff in December and January and even February. And we said, you know, God's got great plans for our church. We're excited what he's doing. And COVID hit. But I want to know, I want you to know, church, God still has great plans. People still need to be saved. This community still needs to be reached. Men and women still need to be called to the, to the mission field and, and called to plant churches. And, and we still need to see the greater Toledo area reach with the gospel. We still need to plant churches. We still need to support missionaries. We still need to tell our, tell our, tell our neighbors and our coworkers about Jesus Christ. We still need to give. We still need to be faithful. We still need to be faithful uh, husbands and, and wives. We still need to be faithful children and obedient. God's still on his throne. And God is still great. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. We're going to sing this invitation song. I want you to sing this out like you really mean it. I, I want you to sing this out so the neighbors know you mean it. And I want you to sing this so God knows you mean it. He's worth living for. Don't give up in the day of adversity. Stand strong. Let's sing. Your breath, 
so thankful that we could gather today. And Lord, now as we go our separate ways, I pray that you dismiss us with your strength, with your courage to take the gospel to a lost and dying world so that they too can sing with us. Great are you, Lord. We love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.